It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. So it's one of those rare special events where we have, uh, you know, a two-a-day. Now, this is maybe the biggest of uh, of all the weeks in terms of what's going on. Uh, everybody is – I mean, if you're – even remotely interested in in football, <laughs> you've got to be watching tonight uh, and today. Uh, let me just say that I've been saying, I guess quietly, and I guess I could say it a little more loudly, there was nothing that really established just how good Ohio State was, in my mind at least, this year. I'm not 100% sure that Ohio State won't lose another game you know, this season, quite frankly. And though we've heard lots of people say that, you know, once J.T. Barrett gets in there, you know, boom, that'll fix everything. Well, no. I mean, that coaching staff, for whatever reason, does not feel like they can just whip it around once they have J.T. Barrett back there. You didn't see them open the game up. The game plan stayed very close, very tight. And, I mean, you look at – I mean, these are two very different coaching <laughs> philosophies. But you look at what Jarrett Stidham does, you know, with the first few times the ball touches his hands, you know, against Oklahoma State, which supposedly has this, you know, very good defense. And you see the game plan that was unveiled as Ohio State, you know, played a, a somewhat wounded Michigan State squad that was missing some pretty darn important pieces including, of course, Connor Cook, that some people think of as a, you know, a guy that's going to be taken early in the draft, right? I mean, this is a guy that some people think might be the the best senior quarterback, and some people have him, you know, ranked in the top two or three quarterbacks overall. So there's reason to to think that this guy should be should be good. I mean, I guess that's what it comes down to. And when a team has to go out and play without their starting quarterback, you can't help but wonder what that effect upon them will be. Well, clearly they changed their approach, right? That was a different approach. They played a couple of different quarterbacks. They ran the ball and ran the ball and ran the ball some more. I mean, LSU must have been thinking, wow, you guys run the ball a lot. They just whacked and whacked and whacked away at that uh, Ohio State defense. And what does Ohio State's defense do really, 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 really well? Bring pressure. Bring pressure. That's the thing that they would just bring, you know, bring pressure. I mean, obviously they can stop the run and other things, but that's not what they do best. What they do best is whack around quarterbacks, get you in third and long, and and knock your quarterback, you know, butt over tea kettle. Now, that being said, 
it is worth noting that Michigan State tried to, uh, you know, keep Ohio State in the thing. I mean, if not for two turnovers, Michigan State probably wins that game going away. You know, I mean, not that they would have scored a lot of points, but they probably would have shut them out or held them to three or six points or something. So that's that's a heck of a defense that Michigan State's rolling out there, first of all. Let's not forget that. But they are not unbeatable either. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if Iowa if, – if Iowa's able to, you know, to, to – to beat those teams. I mean, quietly, Iowa is a team that actually does have balance. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They have a good defense. I mean, that's that's a complete team. Now, they're not loaded with super sexy four- and five-star recruits like Iowa State, and to a slightly lesser extent, Michigan State, which is loaded mostly with four-stars and three-stars with the occasional five-star tossed in, but Either way, this is a team that people, you know, assumed, for lack of a way of putting it, is going to um, not prevail. You know, people have sort of assumed that Iowa's not going to be able to, to hold up. And I'm not so sure. Having seen Penn State and Iowa State, Michigan, Michigan State, and uh you know, Northwestern. I mean, I've seen Indiana. I've seen Minnesota. Purdue I've only seen once. But I've seen every team in the conference at least once. And I've seen, with the exception of Purdue, I've seen everybody else two times or more. I've seen Iowa exactly twice, and I want to see them at least one more time. Well, I'll obviously get a chance to see them at least one more time. And I've seen Ohio State a bunch of times. And not once have I been blown away. Not once. Have, to me, their best game still is the Virginia Tech game in terms of offense, defense, you know, everything. Uh, looking like a complete team. But once you get past the Tech game, Virginia Tech game, I haven't been blown away. And even against Virginia Tech, you know, early on, Virginia Tech was hanging in there, keeping at least competitive. And then obviously when Brewer went down, you know, that, you know, the die was cast at that point. Um, the Big 12 is going to be decided today, in essence, you know, with TCU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor all, you know, playing in sort of round-robin style. I mean, I, I know some people get on that conference for not having a conference championship, but, I mean, look at look at the fact that they all – I mean, I love the fact that they still all play each other. Like, there's got to be something said for that. I I miss the old Big Eight Southwestern Conference, whatever it is, when they were playing everybody. You know, it would be really interesting to see just how many of those other conferences, you know, how they would play out, how things would look if indeed uh, they had to play everybody in their conference. So I enjoy, um, despite the fact they don't have a conference championship game, I enjoy watching how things play out at uh, conference. I know you had to be there early. So that's well, one thing that, uh, that I'm looking forward to seeing. Additionally, um, I think that there's, uh, you know, going to be some interesting things that go on uh, in the near future 
so as I'm watching, just you know, see exactly how the, um, the what do you call it, plays out. Uh, I'm obviously a big fan of Baylor, and um, was very, you know, not sad exactly, but I mean, I could tell they had, they didn't play their best game, and it's not all Stidham's fault. They really. I mean, I, I must say they got conservative. There's no other way to put it. They got conservative. Um, you know, so that was a little, I don't say surprising, but it was interesting, I'll put it that way, to see how things played out in terms of that. Uh, and now you're seeing Baylor going back to being Baylor against Oklahoma State, and that's, you know, sort of where it should be, right? I mean, that's where things you know, got uh, got to where they should be, like I said. And that's the thing I want to see going forward is they've got one of the most gifted young pastors in all of college football in Stidham. I mean, he's special. There's really no other way to put it. He is something special. He is going to be, I mean, he may be the best of them all. When it's all said and done, he might be the one that – you know, we talk about as, uh, like I said, as being the one, you know. So a few more things um, as we take a look at, you know, the the flames and the, you know, the wreckage and everything. Uh, some of this is to be expected. Like I said, I'm not at all shocked that Ohio State lost that game. I thought they were the more talented team and without Connor Cook. Uh, I thought they should and would find a way to win it, but I wasn't at all surprised, not one tiny bit, not not one iota, that they did find a way to lose that game. And like I said, Michigan State took that game personally in a way that I don't know if Ohio State did. Uh, They took it personally on the level of feeling disrespected. Uh, They realized that there wasn't this huge gap between the two teams, and Ohio State played right into their hands by, like I said, not taking too many chances, playing as if the game was theirs to lose. And uh, that gets you in trouble. You know, playing not to lose almost never works, uh, unless your team is, like I said, dramatically better than the other team. And they aren't. There's not a huge gap or huge chasm. And like I said, I'm not so sure Iowa won't be able to beat either one of those teams should they face them, uh, whoever they end up facing. That's That's a good team. Uh, the only thing that concerned me about Iowa was their passing game, and it's improved to some extent. I mean, C.J. Beathard is, you know, he's not, you know, young Brady back there, but he's improved from where he was earlier. Uh, he's a guy that certainly has talent, a good arm, uh, comes from, you know, obviously a famous family, Pete Beathard and Bobby Beathard and all that. I mean, he comes from a, a long line of, a football family, as they would put it. Uh, he has a person who was an early-round draft pick at the quarterback position within his family tree. So a lot of people around him uh, to guide him and, and get him where he is or towards where he is now in terms of what he is as a football player. But there certainly are uh, some things that I'm going to look forward to seeing as this game plays out. You know, so... Some of the things that I'm wondering. Uh, one is, will Iowa be able to establish? Um, a running game. 
against, you know, like I said, we've seen what Michigan State can do on defense, right? I mean, that's that's something. Uh, there's something there. You know, there's something really there. And there's no guarantee that Ohio State beats Michigan. I mean, I'm... I haven't decided who I want to to put my you know my stamp on for that game, but I'm torn, you know, frankly, just flat out torn. Um, it'll be interesting to see, and like I said, I really want to see that game. I really want to see the the outcome of that game because there are some truly, I mean, Michigan is a program that you know is clearly heading in the right direction. They're getting better. And better and better. And Ohio State, you know, looked shell-shocked at times against Michigan State. And it wasn't because they were facing some, you know, up-tempo, run-all-over-the-place kind of offense, quite the opposite. You know, they were facing one of the most old-fashioned, you know, old, whatever you want to call it, basic line up, no fair dodging, punch you repeatedly in the head, kind of attacks you ever want to see. And eventually they cracked a little bit underneath it. But the shock, the surprise, the the head scratcher is their passing attack. So even if you don't want to throw the ball deep, where was the quick game? <laughs> you know, say you're, for whatever reason, you're nervous about throwing the ball deep. You don't want to, you know, go for the downs. You don't want to try to throw the ball 30, 40, 50 yards downfield. Where's the digs? Where's the, you know, little quick intermediate post plays? Where's the, where's the screens? Where's the, the Y stick, Right. Let's see just how good their linebackers are at covering backs and you know, angle routes and, uh, like I said, wide stick game. Let's, let's see what, how much these guys like to cover. We know they have to come downhill and hit people. How good are they at coverage? I was a little surprised we didn't see a really dynamic and interesting intermediate passing game. Forget the deep strikes. I mean, for whatever reason, they've shelved that, you know, and we can talk about if that's, wise or if they should have but it's clear for whatever reason they have i believe i've been joined by the man the myth the legend mr steve morton is back from moving land hey bill pretty fun saturday so far huh steve uh yeah i mean zeke elliott just i mean you know (laughs) i don't know that i've ever seen a player do that I mean, Lord. <laughs> he basically did the Stone Cold Steve Austin double bird. <laughs> He's, he was not a fan. He was really not a fan of the way they approached that game. <laughs> Lord. I mean, uh, have you guys seen the latest one where he, co- he, he was disappointed in the coaching staff for lack of effort? <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. 
Oh, Lord. <laughs> and I guess all speculation about whether he's declaring or not has pretty much been ended, I suppose, as well. Yeah, I don't think he's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, 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 my speculation would be he's going to play in the, the Michigan and both. <laughs> now there's a better question. <laughs> well, let's talk about. I mean, how, how do you, how do you, as a coaching staff, approach that? I, I don't know. Is there, are there any coaches on here? That, how do you approach that in the meeting? <laughs> well, at the very least, you've got to let him know, hey. You know, that's the kind of thing we handle in house. But yeah, I guess feel like we may have seen him for the last time in an Ohio State uniform, period. Lord. Like I said, I've never seen I've never heard of a especially in college. Of a player well, especially going off on urban, an urban Meyer coach team. That's not you know, make a mistake here. Urban's pretty much an authoritarian. I mean, not a disciplinarian in the sense of, you know, squeaky, clean, you know, Stanford-y kind of program, but but in the sense of you've never you don't hear people saying telling tales out of school. You know what I mean? You don't that doesn't usually happen. I I, I mean, I'm not saying that he's wrong uh, nope. in. in and actually, in the in the in the main of what he's saying, but whoa, yeah, that's usually handled in house, like I said. <laughs> that's why people have things like players only meetings, so you can say stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a yeah. <laughs> As I said, I, I obviously he's. Drawing his Ohio State career to a close, but, uh, <laughs> and as you rightly questioned, it, it, it's a huge question mark whether he'll play in the Michigan game or 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 the bowl <laughs> at this point. With his, I mean that that's a Viking funeral to your career kind of thing at Ohio State after being one of the more beloved figures, in fact, in the program. I mean, but, yeah, they they don't win the national championship last year. If he doesn't run for what was it, over four hundred yards in the in last, the last couple games, games, yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> two hundred twenty-five in one of them, I believe. Yeah, he, I mean, he he almost literally put the team on his back, as you know. I mean, people throw that term around a little too loosely, but yeah, he pretty much put the team on his back, almost almost literally, about as literally as I mean as Fournette did most of this year with LSU, where if he's not doing it, it doesn't get done. That's what. That's kind of what we saw with LSU down you know, coming down the stretch. Uh, you probably can beat Syracuse and some other teams if a running game, if running, if one running back's all you got. But SEC defenses, I mean, if they've only got to stop a running game, I mean, you know, pretty much every SEC defense was built to beat to try and beat Alabama. So they're all pretty good at stopping the run. Yeah, that's except, that's what they that's what they, that's what they want to right, that's right exactly. That's what they they're they're 
their whole raison d'etre is built around <laughs> not letting this person simply cram the ball down our throats 30, 40 times a game, which is what these guys would do if they could. And that's what we just saw Michigan State do to Ohio State. I mean, mm-hmm. they they threw the ball a couple of times just, I guess, to keep the quarterback's arm from freezing to the side of his his, his chest or whatever, but they they didn't throw the ball – I mean, what was it, uh, once in the second half or twice in the second? I mean, it was amazing. It was – I mean, once again, somewhere Duffy Doherty is smiling from ear to ear because that's a game he could recognize. And, and, you know, I maintain, if they play that game 100 times, Ohio State wins at 98. <laughs> but And Michigan I State mean, tried to help them. They tried. They gave them a couple of short fields, you know, they – I mean, if the, the not of those two turnovers, do, does Ohio State score? Yeah, Ohio State's offense is such a wreck right now. Yep. I mean, it is such a wreck. I mean, both of the quarterbacks are bad when they put them in there. It's just a little – I mean, and then you decide to ride the bad quarterback, and, I mean, you know, you, you do have a pretty decent running back. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was it odd. Is. That was odd. I was a little surprised that it didn't become one. If I'm a little surprised we didn't see, you know, the other quarterback. It's not like they've been that shy in the past about playing one one quarterback. But the other thing, um, like you said, I would be, you know, doing what they were doing, cramming number fifteen down their throats, and then, you know, two or three shots off play action. Or half, whatever, in the hopes of getting a cheapie. And I, mean, I have to wonder if either of these teams can beat Iowa. Though. Everyone seems to sort of be assuming that Iowa's going to sort of meekly submit to whoever they face. I'm not so sure it's going to play out that way, Steve. Yeah, and the thing is, if Iowa goes unbeaten, they're going, they're in the final four. I mean, Notre Dame's nightmare scenario. Is that Iowa goes unbeaten? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that Iowa and Oklahoma State both make it to the end without a loss. Yeah, those two teams go undefeated, and if Clemson is undefeated, <laughs> you know, so we get the SEC champion, whoever the heck that is, and you know, thank you for playing Notre Dame. <laughs> and so then Notre Dame will be forced to be cheering for Auburn and Florida, <laughs> and UNC. <laughs> while you're while you're while you're talking, they need they need that they could use that as well. Oh, I mean, so I mean that that would be the nightmare scenario for them, and and I agree with you. I mean, there's no guarantee that I wouldn't even say there's a guarantee that Michigan State gets by Penn State. I mean, if, if, <laughs> if Connor Cook can't play, I mean that that'll be like a ten to seven game. I mean, all, all Penn State might have to do is just convince Hack not to turn it over. <laughs> right. Isn't it funny? There were people at one point stating that the Big Ten might have three first-round quarterbacks, right? Ohio State might have two, and, you know, Penn State, who is Hackenberg. And now none of these guys look like guys who should declare. All of them should clearly go back to school, at least in my mind. I mean, I can't see – Looking at any of those guys and thinking, yes, I'm ready to attach my franchise's future to any of those guys right now. Yeah, and, and Cardale's already tweeted out it was his last game with the Sheep. <laughs> so, well, I hope that means he's transferring. 
because you at home. <laughs> I mean, you he know, when you when, not ready for the NFL. When you've been benched for a quarterback that was that looked as bad as J.T. Barnett was, I mean, that, those are not NFL quarterbacks. I guarantee you, Dan Marino never in his life got benched for J.T. Barnett. No, no. I mean, forget Dan. Tyler Palco wouldn't get benched for J.T. Barrett. I mean, you wouldn't have to. You don't have to go Marino. You don't have to go. There's a whole long list of dudes. And I heard, like I said, we all heard the whole, you know, which one is the better, and you know, both of them might be. You know, like I said, clearly neither of these guys are ready for the NFL. And and like I said, Hacker. I mean, ironically. The um the 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 Big Ten quarterback who might be selected first might be Nathan Sudfeld. You yeah, know, and he, who saw that coming? Yeah, I think it will probably be Cook if he's healthy. Oh, that's right. I think somebody, right, right. Sorry, I think think somebody you're right. It'd be Cook. I forgot about Cook. Right, right. I, somebody I think is going to fall is going to is going to talk themselves into Connor Cook. Oh yeah. I mean, because I mean, you know, this quarterback class. I mean, if you want to talk about it, is scary. <laughs> that you're going to be throwing a, a first-round It's scary at the top. I think <laughs> Yeah, that... I mean, if you, could, if you could get some of these guys, you know, second, third, where you really don't have to play them, you can give them the time. I mean, it's hard not to – it's hard to look your owner, your fan base in the eyes. You spent a first-round pick on a quarterback and then sit it. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, not since not – Carson Palmer has somebody <laughs> – had the whatever it is to do that, uh, you know, Marvin Lewis and crew. I mean, and say what you want about them. I mean, not, and you know, here's another fun fact: Marvin Lewis is the second longest tenured coach in the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. Number two behind, of course, only Bill Belichick. How about that? Right? Who saw that when Marvin Lewis took the job in Cincinnati <laughs> that he was going to have it for what is it? Twelve? Is it twelve years? Yeah, I mean, they, they I mean. They're, uh, Bill Belichick's almost running up on Fisher in Tennessee, uh, tenure length. Uh, yeah. And people and people forget this, but and you, you talk about continuity and everything. Uh, people forget this, but Bob Kraft fired three head coaches in three years. Yeah. And, 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 and I mean, he fired two Including head Pete coaches Carroll. in three years, and and it was Bill Parcells and Pete Carroll. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yep. So I mean, you know, I don't even think I don't think he regrets it. <laughs> no, no, he does not. Though I think it's been demonstrated that Pete Carroll would have eventually figured this thing out had somebody left him in place for a while. I mean, you know, he might have fired two Hall of Famers to get to a Hall of Famer. <laughs> how about that? How about how about that for a you know something to go on your headstone? The three head coaches I hired. Bill Parcells, uh, Pete Carroll, and Bill Belichick. <laughs> Man, how about that? I mean, literally, think about that. That's a that's a pretty good little list. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to get it. I'm trying. I, I've never seen one coach good. <laughs> There's, I'm trying to think of. I mean, you know, because Jerry Jones didn't hire Landry, fired him, um, and then he hired some, you know, guys. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was really, really good, and. We'll see what happens with Jason Garrett, and obviously, you know, the Dave Campo and uh, uh, Barry Switzer eras were 
not all that spectacular. Here's the, here's the thing is, Jerry Jones had his greatest success with Jimmy Johnson and Bill Parcells, and he yep. was never more miserable. Right. Well, because they <laughs> wouldn't let him. They wouldn't let him play. I mean, they wouldn't. Let, you know what I mean? Like they wouldn't let him. You know, they shut him out. I mean, like you know, get out of here. <laughs> no, you can't talk to the team. No, you can't come to the meetings. No, you can't. You know, watch film with me. What are you kidding? Exactly. I mean, no, you can't choose these players. I'm going to let you choose my players. Can you imagine what the look Parcells must have had on his face the first time Jerry was getting ready to come down to the film room? I mean, just think about the look he had. Like, the term withering glare gets used. But I think I'm sure it was a look that would knock the baking soda of a biscuit without breaking the crust. And Jerry had to pretend that he was like trying to do something else or hit some other place. Oh, I'm sorry, this isn't the oh oh here it is. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 I was looking for the cafeteria. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was a soul crushing rejection. Uh so like I said, I, you know, I, don't think, I don't think he was ever more miserable than the, you know, two best coaches he had. Yes, because they were total control freaks who <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't allow him to do anything fun. They wouldn't allow him to do anything to enjoy. enjoy. Nothing he liked. It's like, well, you can watch practices, but you can't say anything to anybody. Can I come down to the field? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> can I get? Can I talk to the guys before the game? No. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, but like, you know, the the. I mean, the other thing is I was lost in the Zeke Elliott. Uh, thing, legitimate chance that Les Miles is going to get fired. Which is I mean, crazy a, talk. I mean, think of how I mean, crazy that is. Of, there's a lot of smoke there, too. Think of how quickly he'd be working again, though. I mean, can you imagine? You think South Carolina, you think both USC's aren't going to call? You think? I mean, everybody's going to call. I mean, it, I mean I'm mean, i just flabbergasted. I mean, you know, it's. He's literally going to get fired after three bad games. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, I, I question the hire of Kevin Steele, you know, based on the last couple of times he's been a decent coordinator. He's right. got a good line, good position coach, and a really good recruiter. Yep. But that LSU defense is some marshmallows. <laughs> I mean, the next, it's not wow. what we're used to. I'll say this much. They're not where we're used to. And <laughs> I think Les Miles survives, unless his team just lays down. I mean, that's the only thing that would that, that they wouldn't that you know they won't stand for. I mean, if they as long as they keep giving good effort, I think people understand that this is a rebuilding year. They have nothing that you want at this point at quarterback at least. I mean, that's they've got to develop some kind of passing attack. If Les I, Miles goes down, that will be what took him down. 
is that he just crazy. He, I mean, he just, I mean, he just completely, you know, messed up the quarterback position. And the thing is, is a lot of coaches in the NFL. I mean, a lot of coaches in college football are really successful with guys who aren't great quarterbacks. I mean, I don't know. Has, has Nick Saban ever had a ever even had a guy you call good? You know, he's just average. Mm-hmm. But I always had a Nick Saban. One of the things that Nick Saban was really figured out is that in college football, the number of times you're going to have a good quarterback is going to be right. Mm-hmm. Re- relatively. I mean, just there just aren't a lot of really, really good quarterbacks laying around out there. And so he figured you, that out early in his coaching career. So you need to have a system in place that you can win with quarterbacks that are average because you can find guys who are average to a little bit below average. You got to have a way to, and what he's figured out is big offensive linemen, big running backs, recruit the hell out of defensive players, and so, and that's what they that's been the the basically the run of success is, and that's what he really you know in the NFL it's a little bit more difficult to win without you know a quarterback, and it's more difficult to build a dominant defense to win with average quarterbacks. But, I mean, you know, I, I submit that he'd probably still be at Miami if Drew Brees hadn't been axed by their medical staff. <laughs> I mean, that if he had an idea that, you know, I do need to get a good quarterback here. But, uh, yeah, what he's figured out is don't, don't, I don't need a NFL coordinator like, say, they have at LSU because I don't want an NFL offense that I'm trying to actually have good quarterbacks for because they're hard to find. Right. I mean, I, I want to. I want to. If I have, the, if I happen to find one, then you know, you know, it can enhance what I have. Right. And you can but, open up. You know, you open up. You do some things mm-hmm. that are in your playbook, but you just never use. I mean, Kiffin is his offensive coordinator. There's stuff in their offense that's fun, but they can't <laughs> use it all. <laughs> you know, they don't have. <laughs> They don't have the right quarterback yet to use all that stuff. I mean, if you happen to find one, that's great. But you know, while we're not finding one, you know, let's be let's find a way to win. And, and like I said, it's been big offensive linemen, big running backs, and dominant defenses. Right. And essentially, LSU has been sort of a pale reflection of Alabama. But they haven't quite been able to get quite the same level of, you know, destructible, destruction-causing animal, you know, manster beast creatures on their line. I mean, you can yeah, hear LSU's defensive linemen, but I'm, I'm waiting for one of these guys to actually be the beast that I hear he's supposed to be. Right, and and that's the you know that's part of John Chavis. I mean, that's part of you know John Chavis was one of the first coordinators who said, "I'm going to take guys who were running backs in high school, and I'm going to make them linebackers. I'm going to take guys who maybe are linebackers for everybody else and make them defensive ends, and I want to be fast." 
And that's well, basically what I they mean, did at Tennessee. That's what they did at Miami, yeah. dude. I mean, let's go back. <laughs> if you want to you talk about somebody who, who did it first. I mean, right. look, at this, look at was the guy who, who said, this is the way, you know, we're going to play defense. I mean, and, you know, Chavis was a guy who followed along with that. The one thing about that kind of defense is uh, they never really found Jerome Brown. No, <laughs> they never did find Jerome Brown. Or even Russell or, Maryland. Or Warren Staff. Because those yeah. are really the guys that, if you they look at them, make that work. Yep. Uh, a dominant defensive tackle who can keep you, your, your littler linebackers and DNs from getting pushed around because you can't push, you know, Basically, they're going to reset the line of scrimmage on and, uh But they never found that guy. They never really – you look at LSU, they never really had that guy. I mean, you know, Bockers wasn't that guy. Johnson wasn't that guy. They were guys with a lot of height, but they weren't – I mean, you know, they weren't Jerome Brown or Warren no. Sapp or, no. you know, or Russell Maryland or – No, they haven't found that guy. They still haven't found that guy. I mean, is the entire time he's been there – there have been guys who've been, you know, Marcus Spears and uh, Tyson Jackson. I mean, they had some guys, but none of those guys were guys that you really were terrified of. They were good. Um, Booger McFarland, good. All you know, a, lot, a decent number of good LSU defensive linemen, but they haven't had that guy. You know that that. The guy who's snatching people's spines out and hitting them with them. The guy that's just wrecking things. That guy still hasn't showed up. And when you combine that with the fact that they've only had, you know, one, well, they've had two quarterbacks that people talked about as, you know, being great prospects. And obviously, you know, people, obviously, Jamarcus was thought of as a great prospect because of his physical gifts. And then in Mettenberg, you had a guy who had not quite the same level of physical gifts, but had an NFL arm. And had a beautiful head. I mean, he understood pro concepts when Cam Cameron taught them to him. So, but they only had him for you know a limited time because he was a transfer. But and then he got hurt. And he got hurt, right? So those two things, as a you know, it's a bad combination. Um, you know, he comes in, you know, with a, you know, sort of having to live down for lack of putting in his time at Georgia. And once that sort of worn off or whatever, he had to battle injury. But it was an exciting time because you had, you know, Landry, you had Jeremy Hill, you had Odell Beckham Jr., and you finally had a quarterback, you know. Uh, after that could at least get him the ball. Right, after surviving Jordan Jefferson and Jarrett Lee. I mean, they had a – they had at one point some of the ugliest quarterbacking. I mean, you said you're a fan of, of terrible quarterbacking. I don't know how much of Jarrett Lee and Jordan Jefferson you got a chance to, you know, fill up. Uh, those are two of my up. favorite names. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Anthony Jennings. Oh, Anthony Jennings. And you would like to see bad quarterbacking. But here, here's the thing is, I mean, the only reason I would say Brandon Harris isn't as bad as is Jennings is Brandon. Brandon Harris can throw the nine. Jennings can throw anything. Right. <laughs> so, whereas Harris isn't, isn't, you know, actually a good quarterback, at least, like I said, he can throw one thing. I mean, you know, he throws a beautiful deep ball. 
But, uh, you know, and Jennings didn't throw anything. Jefferson didn't throw anything. Jefferson was a big fullback. I mean, you know, he was actually – he was a guy that – Jordan Jefferson would be a great fit at Navy. <laughs> yes, or uh, <laughs> Georgia – is it Georgia Southern I'm thinking of? I mean, there's a few places where he would have been a good fit. Uh, I mean, the only problem with Jordan Jefferson and, – and, frankly, he was a guy that – I think could have eventually developed into something, but he need he needed to not. I mean, some kids not need not to be at the biggest possible school. That was not the best move. He did not need to be at this giant program that everybody, you know. I mean, he, it was not the best place for him to be. I can't think of another way to put it that he he needed to be at a smaller program and brought along more slowly. If he'd gone to even 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 you know to Louisiana Lafayette, you know, and backed up for a couple of years, and there was a chance for him. But he also had some character stuff, you know, that didn't exactly help. Uh, but yeah, they had some some stuff that I mean that was going to be an exciting conglomeration of talent they had at one point, and you know they just couldn't get it couldn't get it together <clears throat> for a variety of reasons, but. You know, like I said, some of it certainly uh, has to be chalked up to the lack of getting consistent quarterback play, and they, you know, they like I said, they still haven't fixed that completely. I mean, there's a <clears throat> there's hope. I mean, they have, you know, you know that young kid, and they've got uh, I wish Donovan were here, but they've, they've signed some more four and five star mm-hmm. types that everyone thinks are going to be good, <clears throat> and if that turns out to be true, you know, who knows what will happen. But uh, like I said, I think I think cooler heads should and hopefully will prevail regarding, um, you know, regarding um, uh, Miles. I mean, like I said, it's easy to fire, you know, but who are you going to hire? Who's going to come in there and <clears> – <throat> I mean, I not everyone. Not everybody's getting Tom Herman. I mean, that's let's 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 get that straight. He's not. Gonna and, he, and here's another question too: Is Georgia is tied at the half with Georgia Southern? Yep. I mean, does Mark Rick? How how does that seat get for Mark Rick after this year? And if he gets beat by Georgia Southern? Right. Right. Well, that would that might be the you know the straw, as they say. Should 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 they not prevail? Uh, Georgia fans have slowly but surely been turning on, um, and it started last year, really. Uh, you know, going into last year, there were some, you know, fomenting of less than excited individuals about what they were seeing from him. And when, when they had some stumbles and, you know, they're clearly missing. I mean, they don't have an Aaron Murray. They don't have – this is a, a team that is clearly much better when they have a pro prospect type quarterback. They're not LSU. They're not Alabama. They're not one of those schools where they can just, you know, Nick Chubb you or, uh, or even Todd Gurley you to death. They're not really built for that. They have to be able to throw the football to be good on offense. That's just a fact. And they haven't been good at quarterback since Aaron Murray. 
Um, it's funny, you know, once again, despite Rick being one of those guys sort of thought of as a quarterback guru and, all, you know, former quarterback himself and all that stuff, uh, in the post-Dak era, you know, guys like Cox and Tereshinsky and, uh, like I said, Aaron Murray sort of was the the highlight in the post-Stafford era. But once you get away from him, uh, it's, it's a bunch of guys. It's a bunch yeah, and I don't know that they ever appreciated Aaron Murray there, uh, you know, as because I mean he 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 wasn't a guy that. Well, they probably uh, are beginning he, to appreciate him now. I would think. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't a guy that when you saw him on the sideline, and you know you heard you heard the pop of the of the ball going into the receiver's hands, you went, "Wow, that Aaron Murray, <laughs> he's a great talent." But uh, he. He was pretty much the best quarterback that Rick has had other than Stafford, and, you know, he may have been better than Stafford, I mean, <laughs> so, for his career there. That's, that's that's. I mean, it's funny how, how we're talking about how you can certainly win without having a quarterback if you have the right kind of setup to your team. But... <laughs> Only a few teams can really do that consistently. Alabama and to a lesser extent LSU. But once you get past them, you know, who else can just bully people, you know, consistently that to that level where they don't need quarterback play? And, you know, basically you've got to build the defense. And, I mean, you're not going to build it. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I pick on the guy some. And maybe, you know, and I know other people like him, but uh, – you're not going to build a, a dominant defense around and around Leonard Floyd. He's one of your edge guys, and you're just and you're not going to be able to. You're not going to consistently stop people from running it at you. No, which is what they're having trouble with with Georgia Southern today, and they've really had trouble all year. Right, is uh, people running it right at them. Right, and that's clearly what Georgia Southern was going to be doing either way. I mean, they've got a tremendous running attack, actually, and and that is, as you pointed out, you know, the major weakness of of Georgia. There's, but the, I'm trying to think of sort of some of the teams that have that are built in such a way that they, I mean, because even the triple option teams, even the the flexible teams, they 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 need quarterback play. Now it's not passing the ball as much, but they need. They they don't function well if the quarterback doesn't do his job at a high level, and I mean Keenan Reynolds is terrific at what he does. Uh, you know some of the other guys they've had at Navy and some of the other places are really even though it's a different kind of quarterbacking are really good at it. And when mm-hmm. they're when they're not good, even though it's you know a different kind of quarterbacking, when they struggle, those teams they struggle mightily. I mean because there's you're still having to make a lot of of quick decisions, and you have to make them consistently correctly. And, you know, pitching the ball looks easy. I've played a little option quarterback, though, many, 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 many years ago. There's nothing easy about it, quite frankly. Um, you're, you're having to – it's not like you, you get hit sometimes when you're, you know, a, a quote-unquote pro style or whatever quarterback. You get hit sometimes. You get hit all the time when you're an option quarterback. Somebody's going to hit you on every single play, every single play. And you no, got <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so you have to, I mean, you have to be in a certain mindset, quite frankly. So whether you keep it or pitch it or, or you belly it into somebody on a, on, a, on a dive or whatever, there's someone who's assigned to hit you on every single play. And they usually carry out their assignment because who doesn't like it in quarterbacks? So you've got that to deal with, the fact that somebody is going to hit you, usually in the ribs, you know. You're going to get usually a rib shot on literally every single time the ball is snapped. Uh, so it takes a special human being, quite frankly, to be a terrific option quarterback. And like I said, hats off to Keenan Reynolds, who's, you know, they've had a lot of really good option quarterbacks at, clearly at Navy for many, many years. You know, Gary Tranquil and George Welsh was a little more pro style, but they have a long tradition even prior to this coach of having Gary Johnson. Really good um, you know, option football. But, but yeah, they're, there's, they've done a really good job of of uh, establishing a good how they want to play the game and being consistent with it. And they've been good basically forever. I love Art Browns. I really hate to play quarterback for him. <laughs> well, it, once again, what they're doing is a, it's a, a little bit of several different types of things. You know, he's not doing quite what Malzahn does, and he's not doing quite what Rich Rodriguez did uh, or does now that he's at uh, Arizona. And it's even a little bit different from what Mike Leach does in his offense. But he's got some elements of all of those things, and he's just simplified it so he can go super fast. And he's kept the run stuff. He's kept the option stuff. He himself played in an option offense for Bill Yeoman when he was at Houston as a wide receiver uh, many, many years ago. But the, the heart of their offense, one is, I mean, you talk about spread. They are, the, as has been said, they're the spreadiest spread of all. They literally want to make you defend. Oh, speaking of, Jared Stidham just got, oh, my God. I mean. Yeah, that's, that's, what, a, I, I, that's what I was going to say. I don't know that any offense I've ever seen that cares less <laughs> about, about, about the quarterback getting hit. I mean, that is a run five people deep and, you know, basically, you know, you, you're going to always protect five. And, but there's no quick – I mean, you know, it's not quick hitting route. Like no, no, no. We're trying to throw the nine route on every play. Every play I mean, run is designed to score a touchdown. And lower. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, I mean, he unloaded. That's one of those things you dream about as a defensive lineman, literally dream about. Like, you, you wake up drooling, you know, like, oh, oh, if I could just hit a hit like that. Oh, by stars and garters. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm by, I'm by probably like almost slipped on his drool right then. <laughs> <laughs> when, yeah. he, when he when he saw the quarterback was like just standing there waiting on him. <laughs> yeah, that wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Whew, center cut. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like <clears throat> that's like when somebody's slider hangs, you know. Mm-hmm. So instead of being a 
mm-hmm. you know, buckling your knees or whatever, it's 86 miles an hour right over the center of the plate because it didn't break at all. That's what that's like. Like you just, oh, you just come out of your shoes. Oh man, yeah. Uh, I love Art Bryles too. I mean, he's one of my favorite coaches and favorite offensive thinkers. And you are somewhat correct in noting that he believes that quarterbacks are football players. That's the thing that it comes down to. He doesn't think mm-hmm. quarterbacks as this whole separate subspecies of creatures like some people do. Well, these are quarterbacks over here. You know, these are football. No, my quarterbacks are football players. They're just like the other guys. They're going to play football and they're going to hit often and fairly hard sometimes. But they're going to get up and play some more football, or we'll put somebody else in if they can't get up anymore. That's it's just that simple. He treats them like he treats his linebackers, like he treats his whoever. You're a football. There's a good. There's a good use of that arm bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the whole thing. His approach is built around: we're going to make you defend every single bit of the field—the length, the width, all of it. And his quarterbacks have to make that deal with whatever it is, you know, with themselves. In exchange for me throwing some of the prettiest touchdowns, I mean. The kind of things that I'm going to put up what looks like a highlight reel every film every time we play. Like people think, wow, that's amazing. Are those cutoffs? No, no, no. That was my game against Kansas. You know, that was, those are just the throws I made against Kansas. No, that's not my. It's not a season highlight reel. That's what that means to play quarterback for our files. Is that you're going to have some film that's going to just look like, like I said, people think it's like your career highlights. Wow, you put. Four beautiful sixty-yard bucket throws in that season. No, no, no. That was that was one game. That that that, that was our first half against uh, Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, who who else has just joined us? Okay, maybe just a listener. Okay, but the the thing about you're seeing two fairly similar teams. Obviously, I mean, Big Twelve teams are all built to some extent, the same way. Uh, there's Kansas State that's a little more run-heavy. That's, that's a fumble. Hello? Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, I thought I heard something. You did. But, yeah, Kansas State, like I said, a little more run-heavy. But with the exception of that, with the exception of Kansas State being a little more run-heavy, everybody else is essentially, to some extent, a variant of the same theme with Baylor being the sort of highest development of the art, you know, taking it sort of as far as it can be taken, or at least as far as anyone's taken it so far. And then on the other end of the spectrum, like I said, Kansas State being sort of a more ground-bound version of the same animal, uh, still a fair amount of quarterback run, and, you know, their passing concepts are are somewhat simplified, but, but still based on you know, uh, a lot of it's hard run action coming off of uh, the zone read stuff. And they just don't happen to have the kind of receivers, uh, nor the kind of quarterbacks that Baylor now you know, attracts. I mean, you know, if you're a kid that, you know, has a certain amount of intestinal fortitude who likes to throw the football down the field a lot, why wouldn't you go to Baylor? Because that's what they do. None of those thinking, you know, you know, uh, drag oh, routes. Sorry. <laughs> you know, no, why would you 
throw the ball six yards, you can throw the ball 60 yards, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure, Coach Saban. I mean, your program's a great program, but I don't see a lot of a lot of 60-yard throws in your offense. Uh, you know, basically the only time you see 60-yard throws in Alabama's offense is the two times they recruited, you know, Amari Cooper and Julio Jones, who got so open <laughs> that even that even Sims and uh, uh, you know, who was that? AJ McCarron. AJ McCarron. Uh, is it McCarron with Julio or was it Matt? AJ McCarron. Well, both. I mean, AJ mm-hmm. um, AJ McCarron fit, uh, mm-hmm. was the, the last year with Julio. Uh, he was a starter, and then the year. Julio, I guess, first two years was with um, McElroy. Yes, thank you, Greg McElroy. <laughs> thank you. Uh, it's hard to tell them apart sometimes. I mean, literally, it's kind of the same guy. They're John basically the same guy. <laughs> except, except for Blake Sims, they're all basically the same guy. Right. Blake Sims is the one that you would pick out of the lineup as not like the others, but all the rest of them are kind of the same guy. So it's it's interesting to, like I said, we talked about it. They they have a, a, a template, and it works. We are going to play for the national championship pretty much every other year or so. I mean, we might occasionally, you know, have a 10-win season, and, you know, people begin to grumble. But generally, we're talking about 11-win seasons pretty much every year with the occasional 12-win. And like I said, you know, if you, if you if you only win, you know, nine games, people start to, you know, get a little weird on you. But for the most part, the most part you're talking about, you know, 11 win, averaging about 11 wins a year. I mean, that's essentially what they do there. We're going to win about 11 games every year. And the other thing that you can count on seems like pretty much is, yeah, their 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 quarterback play is going to be, a little, you know, uneven, um, sometimes above average. Like if they can get above average quarterback play, that's that's what you're after. That's what you want. Um, I've been trying to also keep an eye on how TCU is along without Trevon Boykin. Now, obviously, the the biggest change they don't have a person who can potentially break, you know, a, a forty, fifty, 60, you know, whatever far, how far you run. I mean, they don't have a guy who's a threat to break the game open with his feet anymore. Um, they're probably close to the same in terms of ability to football probably just a little less confident in going for it and, you know, taking shots just because, you know, this is a guy that's just not as used to it. Sawyer's probably going to eventually be, you know, as good, as consistent, if not maybe even better one day as just a pure passer. But he doesn't give you the, the running element. And then Baker Mayfield <laughs> is essentially, I mean, you know, the, the, like I said, I sort of talked about if you had – you know, the Manziel engine slapped into the Kellen Moore chassis. Uh, I mean, he's a guy who truly believes he's all that. Um, and his confidence is catching. It, he infuses that into the team. He does crazy stuff. You know, he high steps, he trash talks, he goes chest to chest with guys who are a foot and a half and 87 pounds heavier than them, but truly in his mind believes he's a, if somebody doesn't come get him, he's about to tear them a new one. I mean, I, I, like there's – there's, some, there's something about him 
Um, and even though I don't really buy him as a pro prospect, uh, there is something about him. I mean, I, when I say don't buy him, I mean, I think he will hang around the league for a while. But if you think somebody's going to just toss him out there as a day one starter what, you know, after the draft and he's just going to you know, be there for 15 years, I just can't see that. I mean, I could be wrong. I've been wrong about guys before, but he's already yeah, I the odds a couple times. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't see him as a as a you know as an NFL quarterback, but you know he may be a guy that is your backup because he is so you know he, he's so he's so Baker Mayfield. <laughs> he is so Baker Mayfield. The best case scenario for him is Joe Theismann. Like if everything goes perfectly, he could be Joe Theismann. Um, and Joe Theismann's been a couple of years in Canada for those who've forgotten because you know he was sort of before his time. Nobody really. It's like we've already got one job, Joe. Uh, we've already got one Starbuck kid. Thanks, but no thanks. And so, you know, he spent I think three years in Canada before he came down to back up. Uh, well, for one year they had he was a third stringer one year behind uh, Sonny and Billy, and then Sonny retired, and then he backed up Billy for another couple of years, uh, Billy Kilmer, and then eventually took over the job in seventy five or seventy six. Something like that. He finally took the job over full time, but um, the he was another guy who. And first of all, he he was listed at six feet tall. Stood very close to the man. No, no <laughs> he is not no. six feet tall. He is he is not. Um, he might be over five foot ten. Uh, oh my God, he maybe just broke somebody's ankle. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um. He is, like I said, he is special. I mean, the things I'm saying about him do not take away from, I mean, this guy may win the Heisman this year, and he may well deserve to win the Heisman this year. Because Oklahoma, we talked about sort of quarterback uh, production or whatever. Oklahoma's weird at the quarterback position. They've had guys that everybody seemed to love, like I could never quite buy into Bradford, but a lot of people fell this, in love with this, this play is absolutely the most Baker Mayfield play ever. <laughs> I mean, like three guys had a shot at him that, yep. for a sack, and he yep. keeps running through them. And yep. he did that against Tennessee, and I mean, you're like, how in the heck? Right? Can't they tackle he's not Baker that Mayfield? big. He's not that strong. He's not that fast. You're like, why is why is no one <laughs> able to stop him? Uh, but he's got, I mean, you know, you've seen his dance videos. He's got, the one thing he has, he has rhythm. He is a coordinated individual. Uh, I mean, I'm going to bet he was a kid that did gymnastics or something. I mean, I bet he could do a back ram that round off. I mean, he's, he's a guy who has a great sense of controlling his body in space. That's what he can he's, do. He's, yeah, I mean, he's got great balance. I mean, that's oh. I mean... I mean, so, you know, you go in there and you head him, and all he does is, you know, kind of bounces a little. And... Yeah. So, I mean, you don't get him wrapped up. I mean, he's able to stay on his feet. I mean, just like I said, this is the most Baker Mayfield play ever. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I'm willing to bet he was good at soccer. I'm willing to bet he's good at basketball. He's well at baseball. I mean, he's one of the guys who's just a natural – he may not have been the biggest, strongest, or the fastest ever. At any of the things, you know, all the various things he did, and I don't, I understand why guys hit him late or whatever. I mean, you get frustrated after a while. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't so much late; it was just the way he hit him. He didn't hit him late. Uh, he hadn't gone down yet, but it was the. Like, I mean, he didn't hit him with the helmet. Yeah, they call targeting on that, and I. 
partially because yeah. Mayfield's fall. I mean, yeah, I mean, but he clearly dropped his helmet. I mean, he he. Yeah, I think this one's gonna stand. Oh, it's going to stand. He's he's gone. He knows he's gone. But I'm just saying, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a slippery guy. It's frustrating, mm-hmm. and you're getting pissed off after mm-hmm. a while if you're playing defense against Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. At some point, you're pissed off. And yeah, I'm sure mm-hmm. guys are like, you know, I'll pay your fine. Mm-hmm. One of those deals, you know, if you can just get a nice clean one on him, you know, I'll pay your fine. You know, I I mm-hmm. I'll pick up a collection after the game if you clean. Mm-hmm. You clotheslined him or whatever. They'll they'll take a collection because he. You hate playing. I mean, I, that was I mostly played defense. You hate guys like that. I remember when we faced Kempsville. They had a, an All-American running back named DJ Dozier who had a career in the NFL mostly with uh, the Vikings, and then played a little minor league baseball afterwards. You don't see that very often. You often see guys who'll do some occasionally simultaneously, and sometimes. Uh, baseball than football. DJ mm-hmm. did the opposite. He uh, had about a six or something year career yeah. in the NFL, and then was in the Mets organization for baseball for a couple of years, and I think made it up to Double A before you know finally packing it in. But um, I mean, DJ Dozier was a nightmare. But they had a quarterback who very much underrated, uh, who actually at one point led the nation in interceptions of all things. Named Keith McMeans, who went to UVA as a became a defensive back and had 11 interceptions one year, believe it or not. But he was a slippery. Oh God, I hated having to try to tackle him. Um, <laughs> he was. I mean, what you just saw. I mean, and yeah, there were times when you, you finally got him. Yeah, you wanted to. Yeah, you know, give him a little something extra when you finally got him. You know, because he just made you work so hard to tackle him. It's not bad enough you've got an all-American running back that's killing us. Now you've got to make us look bad, you know, white guy, you know. So, so yeah, there's a there's a there's a certain amount of of pent up anger, you know. I think that you sometimes see with guys like like Mayfield, and he he does it, and it looks easy, though it shouldn't, because he's probably gonna time out at four six something in the forty. He's gonna measure out at five eleven and a half and a hundred and there he goes again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At 191 pounds, and he just, just, just get pissed off after a while. Like, oh, why? Why can't we? We should be able to get this kid. Why can't we get him on the ground? Why can't we stop him? Why? There's nothing about him that's that special, except, you know, people don't want it. He's, he's got more it factor than any other single player in college football. He leads the nation in it. I am. Every time, every every time that you know Baker Mayfield makes a run like that, I think of Don James. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't know any bigger Baker Mayfield fan. There's a couple of guys out there who are big Baker Mayfield fans, actually. And once again, I understand it. He's super fun to watch. I mean, dude, if you see him uh, put together all the highlight films, if you were just to put together. Like the best of Baker Mayfield, make you know, cook up some pizza, uh, pour yourself a, a nice, you know, uh, like a Pinot, you know, Grigio, you know, put your feet up, and you could watch that for hours. I mean, just watching him do the things that he does, he's he's, he's the most fun watch in all of college football. Doesn't make you a pro prospect, but it does make him. Super fun to watch. I, and I, I, I've learned to separate the two. You know, <laughs> I can enjoy you 
be amazed by you even as a as a collegiate player without automatically beginning to believe that you're going to be a great pro player. The the two worlds are different enough that you can be amazing in one and be nothing in the other. Yeah, you're not gonna find too many pro coaches that are gonna look at Baker Mayfield and you know, they're they're gonna see six foot yeah, that much. If that and hundred and ninety pounds <laughs> they're going to be going no thing. <laughs> yeah, like I said, the six feet is, is iffy. Um, and, and the thing is, I mean, he gets the ball there, and he means he's actually, he's actually quite accurate. I mean, if you don't care how it looks, you know, he does a great job of getting the ball there. You wouldn't teach somebody to do it the way he does it, though. He's, I mean, there's times when his feet are parallel or the wrong foot's in front. or I mean, he's not... He's not how, like I said, the mechanics are not what you'd want. You know, he's not. But, God, is he fun to watch. I mean, he really is amazingly fun to watch. He is a kick-ass adventure to watch play football. <laughs> like, there's no two ways around that. If you can't like Baker Mayfield playing football, you just can't like football. I mean, I, I, <laughs> just because I don't buy him as a pro prospect doesn't mean I don't love watching it. You know, don't 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 get the two things twisted. And like I said, maybe he goes up to Canada, tears it up for a while, gets a little stronger, mm-hmm. and comes down and becomes the white Russell Wilson or something. I mean, it, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't rule out, um, you know, what a kid like him might might be able to do given the right chance. Because like I say, he's beaten the odds so darn many times at this point. You know, I mean, I remember when when he announced leaving Texas Tech. I was like, what? <laughs> like, dude, you found the perfect offense with the perfect coach. <laughs> but it's like, you know? no, bro. This is no, bro. This is this this program is big enough to make me. That's what I remember thinking. That's like, dude, do you understand what you're saying? And it turns out he was right, and I was wrong. It's like, dude, you're gonna go there and be the third stringer. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I remember saying that out loud. Like it was, I didn't keep it inside. I said this to people, like, "What is, what's Baker Mayfield thinking? He's not going to be able to." I mean, forget, you know, uh, starting. I don't think he'll be the second string. I mean, I said, I don't think you beat Cody Thomas for the number two job. You know, so, and I stand corrected. Uh, from what I understand, he when he hit the ground there, people. Just couldn't resist him. I probably put it like he, he just took over when he was the scout team quarterback. You know, waiting his turn, people wanted to be on the guys wanted to be on the scout team. You know, so they could play with Baker Mayfield. That's the mean, scout team had Baker Mayfield and DGB. <laughs> This scout team would 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 have put it all put it on Kansas pretty badly. I mean, they had a pretty special <laughs> scout team, as you pointed out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wasn't Nixon on that scout team? Too? I believe you are correct. Yeah, they had a pretty good <laughs> pretty good scout team, as you just pointed out. <laughs> pretty special scout team. The mm-hmm. you know the the, the interesting thing, um, as you like I said, you look at the story of Baker Mayfield. You've got mm-hmm. this supremely confident young man. I mean, supremely confident young man. Whose abilities, if you just were to see him in a non-game situation, wouldn't overwhelm you. If you if you were just running a bunch of drills, it'd be like, eh, you know, he's 
he's got a quick motion. He he seems to you know see things pretty well. You know doesn't uh, doesn't uh, you know make a lot of bad you know judgment errors things like that. But there's nothing that would make you think this guy's gonna be a superstar. Like there's nothing. It it he needs actual game situations to to stand out. And so this is where the Kellen Moore thing sort of comes to mind because Kellen Moore is a guy that, I mean, I remember the the one well, of my favorite Kellen Moore stories is that Kellen Moore and his brother Kirby came up together uh, to Boise, and you know they're from Eastern Washington, and when they came to be picked up, Kirby, who despite being younger, is the much larger of the two. He's about six foot two, and he's only you know sixteen or whatever years old at the time. And then the you know uh, Kellen, who's eighteen, is there as well, and he's you know five eleven and change. But the coach, you know, has seen him on tape. He's never seen him in person, and so they sort of taken him sight unseen. I mean, except on tape. And he's like, oh, you know, this isn't so bad. Like I thought the kid would be a little small, but oh, he's over six feet tall. But he doesn't realize he's looking at Kirby. And so he's walking over to Kirby and he's getting ready to greet him. And then Kirby's like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm Kirby. This is my Kellen's my brother. And you know, there's you know, a little, you know, I mean, he's like Davy Jones of the Monkeys standing there with his little mop top hair too, and you know, five eleven and change and. You know, 170 something pounds at that point. I mean, he later bulked up, you know, to get over about 190. But but he's there at the moment, like 170 something pounds. And the coach is like, "Oh, I'm so fired," because he, you know, really, because he'd really campaigned. Coach Harson had really campaigned for him, you know, and sold it. You know, this kid's gonna be great. You know, okay, he's not the biggest, he's not the strongest, but man, he really. And the cool thing about it is that he already knew the offense. And they're like, why do you already know our offense? He's like, well, I found, I downloaded it off a BitTorrent site. <laughs> so that that tells you who Kellen Moore is. He shows up, like, they don't have to explain the offense. He shows up, you know, already knowing their offense. And they, they redshirted him, you know, anyway. Uh, but you look back and think, oh, he could have started as a true freshman. It wouldn't have mattered. I mean, he would have. A guy like Kellen Moore is as Kellen Moore is going to get when he shows up. Like he's not going to get bigger or stronger, really. I mean, he got a little stronger, I guess, but he was ready to go out of the box and could have started as a freshman. They redshirted him, and I guess he put on you know six pounds or whatever he did. But and then he comes in, and you know it's just uh, by his redshirt sophomore season, I realized I was looking at the smartest quarterback I'd seen. Since Peyton Manning, unfortunately, he wasn't six foot five with a with a big arm. But you know, I mean, I like I said, yeah. anything you want to have, any question you want to ask, ask that Georgia defense that had what six drafted players off of it, yeah. you know, something like that. Bakari Rambo, the Gathers uh, kid, uh, uh, what's his name, um, uh, the linebacker. Uh, Herrera, uh, the other linebacker. Uh, I don't know who this guard is for uh, for Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. but Billings has been killing him on the rig. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> Billings is going to do that to a lot of people. You know, it, <laughs> he's he's a rare physical specimen. Like that's that's a, like, look at that double team. Billings is going to shove right through that double team. Yep. Big Paul out there in the quarterback. Now, you know, it's funny. Here's something. That's a guy LSU hasn't been able to find, right? I mean, that's a guy that LSU 
Mm-hmm. We were talking about how LSU's defense has mm-hmm. lots of things, but they they never have this guy, right? Mm-hmm. That guy you just described. They don't have him. Mm-hmm. That we had a double team, coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, that's yeah, true. They did. They did. He was double teamed. But yeah, they can't seem to find that particular guy. That guy that you double team him or whatever it is, and his response to that is, well, let me just blow up this double team. You know, and make a play or force someone else, force a play to someone else for them to make it. And it, like I said, this is a great that is a great illustration of just how much things have changed in the the world of Baylor. Um, speaking of true freshmen and quarterbacks, freshman quarterbacks, there's already, I guess, a sort of brewing quote unquote controversy. I don't know if it's a true controversy, but some people are saying that even if um, a full recovery is is in the offing, and hopefully a full recovery is in the offing for Seth Russell, that some people think that you know this might be Stidham's job going forward. It'll be interesting to see just what happens with that. They they have clearly two super special talents at the position. And mm-hmm. I guess the 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 issue will come down to two things. One is if indeed Russell does make a full and complete recovery and then and then the other the other thing that, that will need to be sort of worked out, hammered out, is what will they do with, I mean, I guess they could still later redshirt Stidham. I mean, they, I'm assuming they want to get you know, as many years out of him. And, in fact, that's sort of an almost an ideal situation, I guess. You get to redshirt a guy who, you know, not only knows the offense at this point in terms of mentally understanding, but actually has had, you know, game reps with all the, you know, all the, all the chips on the table. I mean, he, he clearly shouldn't be scared or nervous um, regarding yeah, anything I- at this point. Yeah, I do know that Don said that uh, one in his recruitment, one of the things that they told him is that they would. He he was adamant he didn't want to be redshirted, and uh, they told him that you know he wouldn't be. So he was he, that he really really did not want to. Oh, that was that was a bad look from him right there. Right. And speaking of getting killed on the reg, whoever that right tackle is. Or, or Baylor is getting a kill on the reg as well. And, uh, I'm right. he, he, he's beating that guy pretty regular. Oh, yeah, you got a right tackle here on Osbo. That's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah Stidham's got to hold that a little bit. Stidham's got to hold that a yep. little bit more security than. Yeah, that's that's one of those moments where he looks like a freshman. You know, for the most part, he is not. But that's that was a freshman moment. That was a moment where it was very clear and obvious that this is a guy who's not quite used to to doing this thing. You know, he's still learning. Yeah, because that, that was a uh, yeah that was that he put that ball he he put that in a place where uh, and uh, you know. I could, you know, that's one of the things. If you if you want to go with the, one of the things that you know Mariota's had to work on is, you know, you 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 just you just can't wing it out there. 
<laughs> those defensive outlinemen, that's what they want to do. They want to be able to slap and get that strip fumble, get that get that strip sack, and uh, you know make right. a big play. There's- You there, Bill? There's a thing that you learn, and we always talk about, you know, what it means, what open means at the NFL level, because nobody's really open. But then you get to the NFL. <laughs> what, what what you try to do is, uh, you know, you you try to know, you know is, is he open enough? Right. You know, he's he's not going to be you're not gonna rip through those wide windows that you see, you know, out of the spread offense in college. But, you know, they're they're you you know, you just gotta be willing to say is he open enough. That that was the if you want if if you want one of the things that Jake Walker couldn't ever get himself to pull the trigger on a guy who was kinda open. And that's actually that's a we, problem that, that Christian Hackenberg has. Yep. Well, like I said, your locker comparison, I think, is one of the more telling and accurate ones out there <laughs> about who and what he is. Yeah, it's, it's more, like I said, like I was explaining, like I was explaining today on Twitter, it's more, you know, Hackenberg is kind of the same way. If, if his first read is open and he believes it, uh, you're going to see some beautiful, beautiful throws. But and and Locker was the same way. But if it, if it's not open or he doesn't believe in what he's seen, complete tomfoolery. Complete tomfoolery. Ooh, your USC folks got. Did, is, are these today games? Because it looked USC got blown out by Oregon. Was that last week? Yeah. Okay. You know, there's a real challenge to learn what it means not only to know who's open or how open, but but which guys don't really need to even be NFL open. And you've got to know you've got to know who those guys are. You know, okay, this guy like, Brian Hartline's terrific. He's a terrific wide receiver. But he needs to be at least NFL open. I can't just swing <laughs> it out there and just know that he's going to, you know, Hartline it up out there and, and prevent, you know, any sort of shenanigans in terms of interceptions or things like that. Hmm. Now, theoretically, a guy like Dez, I should be able to do that. Or, you know, Megatron, I should be able to do that. This guy is big enough, strong enough, whatever enough, that I don't have to be as accurate. I can't yeah, afford. Yeah. yeah, I remember Kurt Warner saying Anquan Bolden was open when he broke the huddle. <laughs> <laughs> Which is nice to have. It's good to have that guy. I mean, so, you know, he, he, he said you, you got it, you just could throw him the ball and he, he wouldn't let you down. He'd go get it for you. Right. Uh, uh, you know, Steve. And this he's is a little, he's, a he's, he's you know, he's six one in change. He's not you know six five, and he's 
runs, you know, low four sevens, you know, but the one thing you depend on is, I mean, he's an absolute beast when it comes to positioning himself, first of all, and just being strong. I mean, he is as physically strong as, as stronger than most of the running backs in the league, forget receivers. You know, uh, another guy who's like that is Steve Smith Sr. Sr.'s a beast at the catch point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, he's he, – I mean, some of that, too, is – I mean, you know, I, I saw uh, Moses Malone once said, rebounding is do you want the damn ball or not. <laughs> That's kind of what that is. Do you want it or not? Yeah. And, you know, how badly do you want it? And – Few guys have ever wanted it as badly as Steve Smith Sr. You know, once again, partially due to the whole enormous chip on his shoulder dating back to being under recruited out of high school, then being semi dissed coming out of Santa Monica Junior College, being considered the third best receiver on his team. Then he gets to Utah, where people, some people consider him the second best receiver on his team behind, you know, the legendary Cliff Russell. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, you know, that guy was, I mean, he just won an incredibly so, yeah. gifted athlete. An incredibly gifted athlete. He's just short. <laughs> but he's strong, he's fast, and, and you know, he's, he's powerful, he's explosive, and he can jump, and he has great timing, he has great spatial awareness. Uh, but he also... It's a great desire as well on top of that. I, I honestly think Steve Smith sees in every football that comes his way the face of some guy that told him he wasn't tall enough. <laughs> that he was too short. Uh, I mean, I, I remember Mel Kuyper says that Chris Stillman told him he sees Mel Kuyper's and he saw Mel Kuyper's hair. In the in the in the in the face of every running back he ever tackled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, but I mean, yeah. Go ahead, It'll be. I was gonna say it'll be interesting to see the future for a guy like Corey Coleman, who I've compared. To Steve Smith, mostly because of the same sort of, you know, rage at the catch point approach to playing, you know, quote unquote small wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, so Corey Coleman's a, a guy who, if you look at his life story, he he has not had an easy path <laughs> to to where he is today. I mean, uh, and not and not of his own making either. I mean, it, it's. I mean, he he's a guy that you know, just just hasn't had a you know uh, an easy path to where he's at. But no. he has he has he has bottled that up to say I ain't ever going back. <laughs> right, exactly. And I I love those guys. I love. I mean, what is it? Dion likes to say, guys have that dog in him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got that in in spades. So despite being, you know. Probably about five nine and five eights and a hundred and eighty nine or whatever it is he's going to end up weighing. You don't want any parts of Corey Coleman. <laughs> you know, he is I, I, not. And I, I told one of my 
things. I said, Corey, I saw one of my uh, buddies on, on Twitter. I said, Corey Coleman legitimately hates quarterback, cornerback. He sees every one of them as a he sees every one of them as a guy who wants him to go back to poverty. <laughs> and so, you know, he, he legitimately hates them. <laughs> yeah, he he has a legitimate burning resentment. Uh, like I said, rage. You know, uh, <laughs> you know the 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 fire is stoked. You. <laughs> He thinks that it's going to be you or me, you know, one of us, only, only, going to be, one of us is going, is not going to make it out of here. And, you know, as you said, I'm not going back. So he legitimately wants to, to destroy your day. He wants you to, he wants you to not enjoy football. He wants you to feel like you've made a terrible mistake. I mean, so yeah. Yeah, the decision you made back when you were eight or nine years old was you look back and feel nothing but regret. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of which, what about that call of James Franklin? Kicking a field goal down eight late in the game. Well, he wants to make sure he doesn't come away without points. I mean, I understand you'd like to see, you know, aggression or whatever, but he doesn't, let's be honest, he doesn't really trust his offense. I mean, let's just go state and state. He he says, I I don't know if we can get any more than what we've got here. Let's not leave empty-handed. Because people are going to have something to say about that, too, if we leave here without getting points. And, uh, you know, we got Houston call today, so we know that no gang of five team. It was, we didn't really know yeah. that before. We know it now. Yeah. No gang. We know no, it now. No, yeah. no group of five team is going to crash the party. <laughs> we no. We didn't no. know before. Right. Uh, so we, yeah. we know that, that that's not going to happen now. Actually, right. the, it looks like the Oregon-UCLA game, USC game, was this week. And it doesn't like running out and put the ball on the ground. <laughs> the 20 yeah. for 407. Is well, that the biggest you know, disappointment in terms of talent of any team in the country? In, yeah. in terms well, of, as, I mean, that team, but that team, I mean, you talk about your coach, your coach ends up having to go into rehab and get fired. And, and, and let's just, I mean, be honest, the last time that, uh, you know, Pat Hayden came in and blew it up. Uh, Barker is a good coach, but he's not the motivator Coach O is. No. No, I agree. Well, I mean, to some extent you could say that about both teams. Oregon's loaded, too. And, <clears throat> you know, they had, obviously, injuries. You know, Vernon Adams is a guy that, we, you know, once again, you have to wonder a little bit of what might have been if he'd been healthy the whole year because, you know, he's a, a special talent. And your boy, B. Maisie, strikes again. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, after uh, off of the fumble from, from Green, the, um, the, the fact is that, you know, Oregon became a destination school. Bilotti, 
uh, took it from being, you know, essentially where teams like Washington State were until recently. I mean, sort of a afterthought school. I mean, Oregon. I mean, State he was able was to make it the school of night. <laughs> right. I mean, Oregon State was the Oregon school to go to for a long time, not Oregon. So if you're going to go to school in Oregon, it wasn't going to be Oregon, it would be Oregon State. So they had the better football tradition until Mike Bellotti. So then Bellotti gets there, and they become a legitimate contender. And he's the one that brings Chip Kelly all the way cross country. You know, people forget, you know, but I don't forget, but I mean, clearly Chip Kelly's not a West Coaster, <laughs> you know. But, I mean, but what an eye, what an eye Bilotti has. Uh-huh. You know, he sees this guy in New Hampshire, no less. I mean, all the way across the country. Um, you know, sees him at some of those uh, coaching, you know, clinics and events or whatever, and is fascinated by what this crazy stuff he's talking about. But everyone's fascinated, but who's the guy who's gutsy enough to pull the trigger and get this odd character and, you know, make him the office of creating a big-time program, admittedly a big-time program that's still not quite in the center of the football universe at that point. But he pulls the trigger on that. Oregon goes from being this sort of, you know, a good story, good program, you know, Joey Harrington made a run at the Heisman, all that good stuff. They become this whole wholly different animal, you know. As he gets there, and you know, you have the Jeremiah Masoli and you know Darren Thomas and all these guys. You know, the run begins from that point with these, you know, dual threat quarterbacks and this hurry up offense that gets faster literally every year that he's there. You know, they they're if you remember early early Chip Kelly days when he first gets there, they're 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 speeding it up, but it's not the, oh, my God, what the hell that we saw later, you know, it's, it's you know, there's no huddle. They're, they're sort of in like a permanent two-minute drill at first. But and they, you know, and still, they kind of they kind of backed it off a little bit for Bradham's now. Uh, right. I mean, you know, they're still going fast, but they're not going. They're and, not going uh, I mean, super turbo, no. They're not doing the – they have about four different paces. I used to know the names of them all, but um, – <laughs> But yeah, one of them is like uh, Indy 500 or something like that. They're all, they're all like names of cars or car races or something. But yeah, they've got one that's like dragster. They've got one that's like IndyCar. Um, yeah, can't really call it was, that last year they were playing at. I mean, they were playing at almost yeah, yeah. Eventually I they mean, got up to yeah. And some of that, I mean, it's like I it, it's. You know, I, I've discussed this with other people. It was Mariota's third year in the offense. He's an incredibly smart player anyway, incredibly right. smart person. So, which is, you know, one of, I think one of the things that got lost about him is, I mean, this guy put up a 31 Wonderlick. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, uh, the 26 that Dennis put up are a really good score. I mean, if anyone thinks that easy, go take that test. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Manziel put up a 32. I mean, there's the one I mean, thing it tells you, it tells you a particular kind of intelligence. It, it, it has to do with rapid computational intelligence. I've taken it a few times. I used, I've scored around 38 or so. 
if, if you're a person who thinks very quickly and you're able mm-hmm. to compute things very quickly, you're going to do well. It doesn't right. deal with deep thinking, you know, it doesn't deal with, it's not, you know, it's not deep probative, whatever, but it's like rapid boom, 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 which is the kind of thing they like to see in quarterbacks, that rapid, quickly grasping some, what something is or is not, and then figuring out what the answer is and moving on very quickly. Yeah, and that's the yeah. thing is, like I said, as a third-year Mariota's in the offense, he's very comfortable thinking, you know, thinking fast and playing fast anyway. So, uh, you know, that they just last year they were at the apex, and I think Adams would have would have gotten there, but he's only going to be in that offense for one year. And so, you know, he's he. Uh, I think he would have gotten there definitely. But like I said, he's only been in that offense one year. It's hard in one year to be able to process it like that, to understand it and process it. So, which is to me the hardest part of playing quarterback in that offense is you playing fast like that is not easy <laughs> for quarterback. That's the thing is, is that you know, it's not the you, you're you're having to make decisions. At speeds that most human beings are not comfortable making decisions at. Correct. To play that fast. And uh, Baylor's the same way. I mean, that, that's the thing is, is you got to be a, a pretty smart kid to play quarterback for Art Bryles. Or you have to at least get willing to think on your feet fast. A beautiful throw right there to Sean from Adams. Oh, I mean, USC just killed today. Wow. Well, first of all, you finally got to see Vernon Adams, like the real Vernon Adams. Like, this is the guy that Jim was telling everybody about. And I was watching, you know, when he was in Eastern Washington, he was the most fun. All the things we talk about Baker Mayfield, that's what he was at the FCS level. Mm-hmm. Only he's stronger, faster, you know, like he's he's got the actual athletic stuff to really back it up. He's not just. I mean, I'm not saying make deals doing with it, with mirrors exactly because that that would be unfair to say. But there is a almost like a magic that he has. Like, if, like I said, when they actually measure him and test him and things like that, there's going to be a fair amount of disappointment. <laughs> you know, like, well, how is he doing this? With Vernon Adams, he's going to test like a slot receiver probably. I mean, he is a really good athlete. Yeah. The only thing and that so, I don't like about Vernon Adams is he's short. He's gonna measure it like five eleven and a quarter or something. Yeah, I mean he's another guy that just won't be as tall as they would like. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they play out for him. I hope he gets invited to you know East West Shrine and just tears it up though. That's what I would like to see happen with him. And maybe he'll get the you know the call up to the next you know to the senior if somebody drops out if some you know big name guy either mm-hmm. uh, you know decides not to go or whatever, but. And, of course, we've talked about, you know, edge safety or striker as, as Jim has dubbed it. Um, Eric Stryker is really fun to watch. I mean, Eric Stryker knows yep. how to get off ball. Which is, I mean, you know, he, he knows how to get off ball. You know, he... I mean, people... I mean, he Calhoun a thing or two about disengaging from offensive linemen. I mean, yeah, that's one of the things, you know, you, 
And and I like Shalit Calhoun, but you know he doesn't disengage all that well. Nope. <laughs> Arkansas, the weirdest team all year, other than Tennessee. You realize Tennessee actually was ahead late in the fourth quarter. Was actually uh, was actually ahead of Oklahoma, Alabama, and Florida. Yep. <laughs> yep. Late in the fourth minutes. quarter. Late, like <laughs> four minutes. You know that kind of late. Like, <laughs> like. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, it, you know, you talk about the ultimate. What might have been year? <laughs> hmm. I mean, I'm just going through looking at giving, yeah, looking at these. Oh, Derek Mason is a great football coach. Yep. I mean, he is a couple great more years football coach. In a couple more I years. Mean, he is a great football coach. I mean, they're competitive every week, and they really have no reason, no business being competitive. Nope. Now, that's somebody doing smoke and mirrors. Now, if he has some players, <laughs> think about the things he can do. He's got I mean, one he's, truly legitimate pro prospect, maybe two, on their whole squad. He's got Azabuki and that running back. And he's got Cunningham. Right, right. Thank you. Three. <laughs> so he's got Webb, Cunningham, and Azabuki. Yep. And uh, and he's just a crazy And he's actually calling their defense, so... Well, if you're Derek Mason, who else would you trust to call the defense? Uh, he's just a great football coach. Yep. <laughs> if they give him about three years, that's going to be an eight, maybe even nine-win program. But I, I, mean, I, I think that's at least an eight-win program. Give him, give him three years. Or, you're going to be going know, to bowl one games. Of those, one of those myriad of teams that are coming going to have jobs open, I mean, you know, off the calling. So you really want to, you know, want to be hang? Would, would you rather hang out in Baton Rouge or would you rather hang out, you know, in Vanderbilt? I mean, he's, I mean, he, like I said, he's a great football coach. One of the, one of the best, you know. Um, I always talk about Coach Fitzgerald. People talk about, you know, so-and-so's underrated. Like, dude, you know who's underrated? Coach Fitzgerald, he takes his two stars and beats your four stars and does it a couple of times a year to somebody that they should have no business beating. Ask Stanford about what kind of coach Coach Fitzgerald is. Ask Wisconsin about what kind of coach Fitzgerald is. Yeah, I'm going to come in here with my two stars. You can bring your four stars, and I'm going to beat you. Arkansas. Wow. Well, I mean, they, that they kid, put up 41 points. That kid, Brandon Allen, is figuring it out. Let me just say, they, they, they've, they've got something there. And I would not have thought I would be saying this, but he is, I don't know if there's a more improved quarterback from September to, to November. You know, I mean, this guy, every week he looks slightly better than he did the week before. they got two NFL quality tied in. Yes, yes. Both Henry and Sprinkle are going to play at the next level. I mean, then and, and Collins is a really good player. And, and I mean, it's just 
You would have saw them earlier in the year, and you wouldn't have thought they would put up points on anybody. Yeah. You had seen them earlier in the year. No, no. They, really? like, you wouldn't have thought they could do this against Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. But, I mean, this is a completely different team on offense than they were the first couple of weeks of the season where Brandon Allen didn't seem to quite know what he was doing with the ball. And I mean, they got beat by Toledo. Yeah, which I mean, right? You know that Toledo. I mean, Toledo. The last time I looked, they're actually pretty good. But they are pretty <laughs> good, actually. They're they're a top twenty-five beat. But <laughs> there's simply no there, there's no comparison between this team now and where it was earlier. They have, they've gotten better at literally everything on offense. The offensive line has looked better. The, the passing game is dramatically more explosive. Coach Enos, speaking of, of guys who, whose names should come up for, for jobs, uh, Dan Enos, who himself has been a, a, a head coach before in the MAC, has done a tremendous job with Arkansas offense since he, since he came in uh, last winter. You know, he's been there basically one year. And, you know, that offense was one of the most dull unimaginative offenses, even <laughs> in the SEC, where you sometimes will see some sort of ho-hum, you know, offenses. I mean, their offense was at the, you know, <laughs> the, they, the low they end. Were, they, were, they were not exciting to watch. I mean, those, no. but I will say this. The, I mean, Tennessee is, I mean, they're just awful to watch playing offense. <laughs> and I the mean, thing is, you've got talent on that offense. Yeah, I mean they just they're just awful to watch play offense. I mean painful <laughs> to watch play offense. Uh, no, you, LA, attribute, LA. you attribute it. Do you attribute their struggles on offense to coaching? Do you attribute their struggles on offense to players who maybe aren't as good as they think they are? I mean what? Why aren't they? Why do they look that bad on offense? I mean, uh, like here, they've got 19 points on Missouri. I mean, they they've kicked four field goals, and well, I mean, the the I mean, part of it, I mean, honestly, is uh, for instance, I mean, you, you, Jalen Hurd is I mean, just an amazing talent. He has 125 yards, and you know, it's his career high. They're, they run, they're running players in and out, and, you know, basically, Josh Dobbs is, he can't complete a pass over seven yards. Here we be third and 11, quarterback meeting right up the middle. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what kind of offense is that? <laughs> I mean, wow. I mean uh, do you even want to win this ball? <laughs> Oh wow! And in retrospect, maybe hiring an offensive coordinator who hadn't coached in eleven years maybe wasn't the best idea in the world. Uh, huh? Oh, God, <laughs> it's been it's been that long. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, Time flies. Okay. Eleven <laughs> been eleven years. Gee. Yeah, maybe that wasn't the best idea. Uh, I mean, and, and I know what it is. I know that Butch Jones, I mean, the DeBoard is, 
Butch Jones worked for DeBoard, and DeBoard's now working. I mean, he knows the the offense and everything, but it's just an awful offense to watch. I mean, it's just terrible. They make they make a, they make throwing a forward pass look painful. And you know, I know we talked about you got to be able to you know have your quarterback be bad, but I mean, you ought to at least be able to complete a forward pass, especially if you get yeah. the other teams to. I mean, uh, yeah, I had a joke I, I I said on Twitter. Tennessee is where five star wide receivers go to be fifth round picks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny because they still get all that talent at the skill position, but it's just, it never seems to recently has never seemed to come together. You know, they had uh, Worley and uh, 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 what's the big kid from California um, that. Kiffin uh, recruited um, on the Chiefs now. Um, Worley and um, well, they had Crompton. They had yeah, they Worley had, and um, uh, Tyler Bray. Right. Uh, say, thank you, Tyler Bray. Yes, it's just, right. Tyler Bray. They got Josh Dobbs now, and, and, and Dobbs is a really smart kid. No doubt about that. Brilliant. Finalist, very, like very finalist for the for the Campbell Award and all that good stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a very smart kid. Uh, aeronautical is it aeronautical engineering? Yeah, he's in aer in aeronautical engineering. I mean, like I said, he's a smart kid. He's a really, really good athlete. He's just really, really not good at throwing the ball. I mean, he just doesn't click for it, and so. And so, I mean, it just, like I said, they make uh, uh, throwing a forward pass look painful. Well, here's my question. I mean, here's a guy that I kept hearing stuff about him come out of high school. He's supposed to be, you know, the, the best one you've had there in a while. What, what's missing? I mean, is it just mechanics? Is he just not solid mechanically? Has he not been... I mean, yeah. it's just, I just don't think he's very confident throwing the ball. He doesn't, okay. you know, you, 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 it, it isn't one of those where you wish he had some B Maisie in him. Yes. <laughs> That's what he needs. He needs some of that. He needs some, your feet aren't quite set. You're falling away. Whatever. Throw it that down. <laughs> Man, Jalen Lee's Maven is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's gonna get he's gonna get dinged because he's not you know he I don't know he's not the big he's just a little linebacker. But man, oh yes, he plays line he plays linebacker like a good safety. So. Go through some of these other things. Go back to the Vanderbilt game. Let me just say this about Baylor's defense. Uh, Baylor's much maligned defense has been the difference so far in the Oklahoma State game. Uh, yeah, despite the fact they've had some turnovers, two turnovers have gone, you know, to Oklahoma State, and you know, Baylor's missed a couple of opportunities, and they're playing um, Johnson there. Third string quarterback, um, 
<laughs> this is a big day for backup third-string quarterbacks, second- and third-string quarterbacks having big impact. And he's probably the best runner. All their quarterbacks can run. But he's probably the best runner of the all their various quarterbacks. Now, all their, that's the thing people sometimes miss about Baylor's quarterback. All of them can run. Yes. All of them are very good athletes. I mean, uh, Patty was a, a, a really good athlete. Uh, Seth Russell's a monster athlete. Seth Russell is a guy that could play another position if he had to. I mean, he could do the mm-hmm. the, the Tannehill thing, you know, if you if you, if you wanted him to, if you needed him to. This topic actually doesn't look too bad. Well, dude. He's a four star. I mean, these these are, these guys are trash. <laughs> Just so you know, they've got they've got quarterbacks at Baylor. In case you had nerves. I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet out does Baylor have six quarterbacks better than <laughs> they, they might. They've got some quarterbacks at Baylor, man. They do. I mean, like I said, why wouldn't you? If you're a talented quarterback, you like to throw the football. Why wouldn't you go to Baylor? We're not going to throw the football. We're going to, you're going to throw touchdowns, son. And not just any old touchdowns. You're going to throw 40, 50, 60-yard touchdowns. Multiple I mean, ones per game. I mean, this 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 guy's showing a really good clock. And, I mean, that, he's throwing it right before he gets hit. And, wow. Baylor's got a lot of good quarterbacks, just so you know. They, 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 know, how to, they know how to groom them. Yeah, Oklahoma State was able to blow that one up. Let's see if Baylor yeah, well, for it. They usually do. We'll see. Well, yeah, the the problem with with that is that's one thing he isn't really good at yet is understanding how to slow play that zone read. And that's the hardest thing to learn because when you were in high school, you didn't have to, you know, get somebody. You just ran through or past or mm-hmm. over people. This kid was, the, I'm sure, the best athlete pretty much every time he took the field his entire high school career. First yeah, time. I mean, see, yeah, I mean, you, you're the the thing about the zone the the zone read is you you kind of the package plays is you want the defense to commit and then make your decision. Yeah, right. I mean, like I said, you have to slow play it. I mean, that's the thing that made JT Barrett you know, the better option, supposedly, so much the better option for the state is that Cardell doesn't really understand that stuff. Cardell, would you be like, I'm just taking this thing. Here comes here comes Cardell. You know, he wasn't so much reading and, you know, getting people to know, I'm just going to pull this thing and slam into people. How old is Kendall Brown, by the way? Is he, is he like 18? I know he looks very young. I think he's 31. I know he looks very, very young. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's like 18. <laughs> yeah, he looks, I know, he looks very, very young. But, yeah, I believe he's 31, if memory serves to correct me. And I do remember him as a player, um, and it, it wasn't that long ago. I uh, eight, eight, Well, I guess, yeah, ten, nine or ten years ago. Um, you know, he was like his father, a wide receiver. Though he played, he was a high school quarterback and was recruited as a quarterback. He got moved to receiver and wasn't a bad little receiver. Did you say Dana Holgerson was a receiver? Holgerson was a really good receiver, actually. Small school, um, <laughs> Illinois, uh, Illinois sorry, uh, Iowa, at Iowa Wesleyan. These are very good receivers. Um, and once again, you know, crafty, fearless little slot receiver. I mean, exactly 
the kind of player you think he would be touchdown, first touchdown of his career. But the kind of touch, the kind of, he ought to be. Just to, he was going to be red-shirted, and now not so much. That <laughs> <laughs> was number four. He just ran right by that corner. Yep. There's nothing pretty about that route. <laughs> no, no, nothing <laughs> tricky at all. I mean, I'm not saying I could have played that better than the safety did, but I couldn't have played it much worse. What 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 are you doing? There was no tremendous fake there. I mean, like why are you that far out of position? I don't, I don't get that. That was that that was that was the ninetieth straight night. <laughs> I, don't, I, I just can't figure out what the safety was doing. I mean, if, I, don't, I don't care if he's, I don't know if he's deep middle or I hope he was deep middle. If he was deep half, then uh, there's, I mean, there's no excuse either way. But if you were deep middle and maybe you were shaded the other way because, wait, maybe, were they three by one or something? I have to go back and look at the formation. I'm trying to, you right. know, try to figure out why this guy I'm trying to help him, you know, there's gotta be some reason you were that far out of position. Well but, but as we talked about it's, it's been tremendously fun, but I've got to take these girls outside. I know you do, sir. Well it's okay. We're about to, to wrap anyway. We were only going I was gonna do a quick one, so I'm gonna I'm gonna close this thing out in about four minutes. Um <laughs> tell people what you're up to, where they can find your work, follow you, all that good stuff. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start writing again. Uh, we have a little yeah, yeah, yeah. little life event that's you know kind of preventless, but we're on the, I'll be working the writing at the CDS site on the Fan Speed Banner. Uh, but nice. uh, and S Morton ten thirteen at S Morton ten thirteen sixty eight on Twitter. And just I had a great time. Thank you, Bill. Oh, the pleasure always is mine. Uh, it's been a thrill. This is. This is my favorite time of year. Uh, I mean, you know, there's Thanksgiving and the family and all that good stuff. But this is just an awesome time to be watching college football. Awesome. So, you know, what's not to love about this time of year and what's going on and all that good stuff? So, you know, as always, uh, like I said, I appreciate it. Uh, we, I also have some articles dropping. I'm going to write some stuff about all the stuff we're watching right now. I'm going to put out my um, position rankings. Uh, I guess I'll probably start. I don't know. I don't know which position I'll start with, but I'll start dropping those soon as well. And um, and then my teams, my uh, all underappreciated and all emerging teams, will be out by by this time next week. And uh, and then we'll turn our bowl previews uh, by the week after that. So uh, once again, Steve, a pleasure. And um, you know, like I said, I, I always look forward to this. Uh, I want to thank everyone, and uh, like I said, especially thank you. So have a great rest of your evening, and you and the girls have a good time.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.